May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. It's been quite a week in America, hasn't it? The last seven days or so have been consumed not just with the casting and counting of votes in one of the most contentious elections in our nation's history, but all, of course, in the midst of probably one of the craziest years in any of our lifetimes. All this, of course, also in this extraordinary era of misinformation and downright lies in which we live, where false information spreads across the internet like wildfire and passions grow out of control in seconds. Beloved, I don't have to tell you that we live in a country so deeply divided and in so many ways that it tears apart friendships and bonds for many of us. Maybe you yourselves listening to this service are experiencing that in your families or friendships too. And into this moment, our scriptures inject us with a word that I think could hardly be more perfect for this very moment. Wisdom. Wisdom. It's, it's not often I have to tell you, I'm really excited that we get to talk about the book of wisdom today and that we get to hear the legendary graces of the scriptural character Lady Wisdom. In this particular book, often called The Wisdom of Solomon, it appears in the late era before Christ, and it has this book of wisdom, or the wisdom of Solomon, has a lot to do in literary character with books like Psalms and Proverbs and even Job. And it's, it's also one of those few Hebrew scriptures, by the way, that was written in Greek. And that's reflected not just in the language in which it was written, but in the character of the text. If you're familiar at all with Greek philosophy, then you'll understand the term Sophia, wisdom, which was so prominent in, in the Greek, in the classical Greek authors and philosophers. And it, it makes an appearance of sorts in this book as well. This is almost, the, the, uh, this is almost a Hebrew response to that Greek idea of wisdom. And it, it, it works in some ways to kind of reconcile or create a conversation about how Hebrews can, can exist or even take in a little bit of that concept or how Hebrews might understand that concept in their own way. Now this character, Lady Wisdom, isn't a historical character. She doesn't exist in a particular place or time like, for example, Moses or the prophets. But she's more of an idea or, or an understanding of a graceful and forward-thinking life. I have to tell you, I'm particularly taken in this passage by the way in which the scripture describes wisdom as being easily pursued and waiting eagerly for humanity to find her. I'm still not sure these days that we've succeeded in finding her, but we do a little as we can. And for, for his part, Today in our gospel, Jesus tells us in this parable of the ten bridesmaids, of which 
Uh, he characterizes them quickly as five being wise and five being foolish. The wise bridesmaids are ready with their oil lamps filled when the delayed bridegroom arrives. But the foolish maids miss their chance because they have to go off and buy the supplies that they hadn't prepared in advance. I have to say with some grief that unfortunately this passage, this gospel has been, has been used to some pretty horrifying ends that I've seen and, and been used to uphold some really terrifying and terrible theology which can lead to this idea that, that, that I've seen and that I've heard that if you don't believe enough or don't do enough good works by some undetermined time that, that you're going to, to miss the boat on heaven or get locked out of salvation. Not only, I have to say, is that idea cruel and toxic, but frankly, it misses the point by a landslide. I don't have to tell you that you and I experience God every single day, every day and every moment that we get up in our neighbors and wherever we are. And yet, if you're like me, it's all too easy to get caught up in all the stuff that needs done. The, the swirling energy of the world around us and all the petty issues of the day, that it makes it hard to actually spend much time paying attention to God in our world, to actually wait patiently for the bridegroom that is Christ whenever he appears moment by moment in our lives. That, that, that bridegroom, Christ, is always ready to meet us. And yet, so often, where we find ourselves off at the stores rather than prepared to meet him in union and be in union with him in the great wedding feast that is the kingdom of God. Earlier this week, I had the incredible joy, I will tell you, to spend some time with the wonderful, wonderful high school students at Episcopal High School. And I got to talk with them a little bit about this very concept of wisdom. It's following me a little bit this week in the most wonderful of ways. I got to talk to them a little bit about uh, a reading from Second Kings about Solomon, King Solomon, for whom the Book of Wisdom also, as I said, takes its name and who was attributed to have written it. And, and I want to share with you, beloved, an exercise that I got to share with those high school students the other day. Take a moment, close your eyes if you would like, and think about the wisest person you know or the wisest person you have ever known. Now think about the wisest advice you have ever been given. Maybe it was from a grandparent or a parent or a mentor or a family friend or I like to think perhaps your priest or deacon. What was it about that person that makes them so wise? And what is it that makes wisdom different from education or age or knowledge? I, I happen to think that while we like to associate wisdom culturally with those things, be it age or education or whatever else, that I don't think that's actually what makes a person wise, and our gospel tells us that. You can have all the education, all the degrees in the world, 
But I don't think that gives you the depth that comes with wisdom. And a person can, of course, be very old or even very young and still lack the wisdom that grounds them in right or wrong. Maybe you've had the joyous and sometimes hilarious experience of having a very young child tell you something that is profoundly wise and pretty remarkable and surprising. So what is wisdom all about? I I promise you, beloved, that you don't have to get to any certain age or graduate from anywhere or become any particular place in life or any particular status to become wise. In fact, Scripture invites us to make wise and godly decisions every day that we get up. By the way, I don't know if you noticed, but our reading today from the Gospel, our our Gospel text, comes from Matthew chapter 25. If that chapter is familiar to you, it's almost certainly because of what occurs at the end of this chapter. We've just read from the very beginning of the chapter. And at the end, of course, is that section where Jesus famously reminds us that when you did it unto the least of these brothers and sisters, you did it unto me. That is, when you fed those who were hungry or gave drink to the thirsty or visited those who were in prison and so on, you did so to me. And so it's pretty clear then that in practicing and in training ourselves by doing just those very actions that we see Christ today, that we prepare ourselves day after day to meet the bridegroom that is Jesus Christ. When we, when we serve others, when we serve our neighbors and take care of those in our communities, we're not just doing it because it's the right thing to do or because it's what God calls us to do, but we do so because that itself is preparation, because in that itself we meet God in our neighbors every moment. And we prepare ourselves to meet Christ even more fully and more deeply. And although we can read this parable in just a a worldly and an earthly sense about what we are called to do in the world, I, I really do believe that this reading bears on not just our earthly life, but on salvation as well. I am convinced that true wisdom is grounded in the knowledge that each and every one of us is rooted in the deep soil of God's creation. It's the knowledge that in our hearts we are inescapably bound to one another in God's sacred world. Wisdom, beloved, is the readiness to find God everywhere and in everyone. Wisdom is not hesitating to let our light shine before others with our lamps like the wise women do in this story to never ever ever diminish our gifts to satisfy anybody else wisdom is to have our lamps that as our love our grace and the attention of our hearts always trimmed and burning as my one of my favorite spirituals says ready always and at every moment for the bridegroom 
who loves us to call us into new relationship with him and with one another. Beloved, that daily, hourly practice isn't just, as I said, how we meet God in our daily lives, but how we prepare to meet God and to be in union with God in that heavenly eternity, too. And so, beloved, this week, I really hope and pray that you will join me in thinking deeply and spending time with God, questioning what it means to be wise for you and for me, and even for our world writ large. I hope you will take the time as we pray for our nation in, in the transitional moment at which we arrive now and in the weeks and months and years to come, that you will join me in praying for wisdom for ourselves and our elected officials and our nation as well. And take the time to ground yourselves deeply in the love of God. And may we share God's wisdom with one another and, and may it dwell deeply with you and with me now and always. Amen.